Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hour number two of the Fan Midday Show. It's my turn at bat for the week. Only one I get this week. I have some travel coming up. And normally what I do with ISC and the variety of things that I do tend to be local, uh, I got some up and backs to Memphis coming up in my future over the next uh, seven or eight days, but it beats having a real job, that's for sure. Joe Wrights actually has one of those these days. He does something great in the financial world and then like hangs out and talks football with me like every once in a while and for the next 15 minutes here on The Fan. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Rake. How about yourself? I'm good. I have lost track of the number of children now in the Wrights family. Six, seven, eight. How many we got now? We're we're six strong and we're doing well. Um, you know, this will be a good segue. We had our uh, summer football camp for Our Lady Mount Carmel last week, and we were out there and having a blast with the boys. And somebody asked me, you know, do, do you miss camp this time of year? And I said, I do. And then I paused. It was about eighty-eight degrees. I said, but I don't miss the heat. And for me, <laughs> boy, I looked at the weather forecast this morning. I said a little quick prayer for my O line brethren because. Uh, it's going to be a hot one when camp kicks off. We're going to hit some adversity right out of the gates. Let's face it, uh, we were saying some prayers for your O-line brethren at times last year as well, uh, ones that we did not expect. Uh, th- this has been a group that has been kind of left untouched. It's been like, hey, we know they can play better. So I guess the the million-dollar question to you, Joe, is how does this group play better than they did a year ago? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's personal accountability. And I think if you polled those guys last year, I think especially your veterans, right? Kelly and then Quentin and then Braden, you know, those three guys didn't play up to the standard that they've set for themselves. And I think they'd be the first to tell you that. And then I think you had some rookie struggles, you know, Pinter bounce back to Will Fries and we'll see if that's a battle back or if Fries is the incumbent. I, I do think Ryman really came on the last five and six games. When I watched the tape, I saw a better anchor from him, which I think, you know, was his biggest liability. He's got defeat, you know, it, it's the strength. And then also it's just playing. You got to play. Right. And so I think that Ryman will be a lot better in year two. So I think that's one personal accountability Two, I mean, let's state the obvious, the quarterback and being able to run and move in the offense with Shane Steichen will be vastly different than how it was with Matt Ryan. That's number two. I think three, the Colts got behind in so many games last year. When you're forced to throw the ball and the other team's up 10 points, I don't care how good of a line you are and, and who you're blocking the other side. It's darn near impossible to hold up when you're in those must-passing situations. And I think fourth, I think the Colts and the staff last year, um, they diminished how much Jack Doyle meant to this offense. Sure. What I mean by that is how good of a blocker he was at tight end. He could hold up in, in line as the Y on the line of scrimmage. He could go back to that fullback and be a lead blocker. He was the best in the business at cutting off the backside. You know, you have a run to the left and imagine – He's starting left, and he's coming back and chopping that defensive end. And our tight ends, you know, they weren't even in the same zip code as him in terms of blocking (laughs) last year. So I think those four things rolled together is why I think the line struggled last year and why, in my opinion, uh, and I might be being a little optimistic, I think they can get back to that really high level of play that we saw 
pre, uh, predating 2022. Right, let's get to Bernard Ryman. And again, I, I'm not comparing how he plays. I hope it plays out this way for the next decade. But man, I see a lot of Costanzo in, in, in Bernard because again, it's it's not like he's just this this massing, massive hulking guy at left tackle. He is an athlete that plays left tackle, which is exactly what Anthony Costanzo was. So what parts of, of AC's game do you think Ryman can take and try to go forward with here in year number two? I think, one, they both have good feet. I think, two, they really have a will to get better. You know, I've met Bernard a handful of times and talked to him, and he's a he's your prototypical lineman, what you want. I mean, smart, on it, detail-oriented. You know, doesn't seem like he has a lot of interest outside of football. He just wants to be really, really good. And that's how AC was. And I played next to AC his rookie year in 2011. A lot of similarities. We were 2-14. and 14. We were getting rolled every game. So what happened, we were behind every game. We were throwing the ball all the time. And I can remember being in the locker room against the Steelers. And A.C., I mean, is literally just, you know, he, he's beside himself because he gave up a sack to James Harrison. And I'm like, look, buddy, that guy's pretty good on the other side. And when it's third and ten and he knows your pass, it's kind of hard. I mean, I, I tell A.C., I tell the story. I mean, a couple years later when I'm filling in for A.C., I gave up three sacks to him in one half, you know. So I, I, it, it, it's hard as a left tackle, and it's hard when you're a young guy, and it's hard when your team's behind because they know you're throwing the ball. And I think two, one, hopefully we're ahead in more games. But I, I can't wait to see this offense. I can't wait to see what we're dialing up and all the different run plays and with Richardson. And for me, you know, Rake, as an offensive lineman, that's what you want because right. the defense is going to be in such a quandary. I mean, there'll be a lot of times they won't even block the defensive end because he's the zone read guy or you're running an RPO either to run the ball or to throw a quick uh, – you know, pass over the middle if the linebacker steps up. So I'm really excited to see the combination of the new offense, obviously the young quarterback, and I, I mean, I think that makes it so much easier life as an O-lineman. You referenced 2011. Let me hit fast forward by year. In 2012, when you go to training camp, you knew the ball was going to be Andrew Lux. He was the guy. The guys in the room know that at some point it's going to be Anthony Richardson's ball to have, but they're not sure yet if that's going to be the case as of week one of the season. Does that impact at all how the guys in the room feel about Anthony Richardson or like the leadership role that they hope that he grows into? I don't think so because I think it'll naturally evolve. And I think that's something, you know, I'm going to be keeping an eye out. Okay, what are the reps going to be the first week of camp for the quarterback split, right? Then what are they in week two? You got to think in the preseason, Richardson's going to play more than Minshew. But, you know, I think, you know, um, from Mr. Ursay on down, you know, and Chris Ballard and Shane, you know, it's, it's, you, you got to play to get better, whether that's week one or, you know, week three or four, you know, w- w- remains to be seen. But I do think those reps in practice, and for me, I think you give more reps to Richardson anyway, because he needs the work. Right. And, you know, for me too, I think as many passing reps as you can give him in camp, because think naturally, you know, play breaks down and you run. A lot of that is just instinct, but, you know, certainly, his run game and those abilities are ahead of his passing game now. So I look forward to him getting a ton of reps and a ton of passing reps because, you know, you, you compound that, you know, practice after practice and whether he gets 25 throws or 15, you do that, you know, day in and day out, he can get a lot of really good work. So obviously excited for him in camp and the joint practices because you think only three preseason games, but I love um, what Shane is doing in terms of two joint practices. That's really four mini game days, and I think that's four mini game days for this whole squad, especially the young guys, 
and especially the young quarterback. Again, Joe Wright's obviously part of Colts Radio and Television joining us here and Midday Show 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Um, there is no question about the ability of Jonathan Taylor, but this kind of harkens back to a, a few years ago where, you know, we I don't I can't remember us having a, a potential holdout. And I'm not sure it's going to get to that point, but because of all the noise, all the chatter on the running back position, knowing he is going into a contract year, what sort of, uh, of of distractions does this serve as? And as another guy in the locker room, how do you can how do you handle a guy that you know everybody's career is short? You know he's trying to get his before it comes to an end. How do the teammates kind of react to what JT potentially is going through over these next few weeks and months? Yeah, I think one the, the overall running back landscape is really interesting to me, especially uh, you know Eckler you know organizes the Zoom call, and I mean over the last week you've seen a lot of things and dominoes fall, and, and I think and I feel bad as the player, but I think that's kind of what the NFL is dictated now, right? And right. I think one thing I always thought in the NFL: don't overestimate your value. I just heard Saquon Barkley said, "I'm thinking about sitting out the season," and totally feel you, totally respect your opinion to do that, but what other job are you going to get that pays you $11 million a year, right? And so, but but I do think with Jonathan Taylor, I think he's such a good guy. I know he's well-respected. It always was kind of an unwritten rule in the locker room that you let guys, you support guys on their personal business. I mean, if a guy's going to hold out or he feels he needs to do some contract, guys, I always felt like kind of just let that be and nobody really talked about it. You support guys and they know it, and every player wants everybody else out there, but there's always – I would say an unwritten respect for guys personally dealing with their situation because everybody's different. Everybody's contract's different. You know, whether you're making, you know, $30 million a year or league minimum guy, you know, everybody works through those own things. I always felt like kind of on your own. So, again, I know uh, we're, we're speculating a lot here, but the running back just shift has been interesting. And it's happened for a while in the NFL, but, um, you know, it's a lot of these guys now that want to hold out and do more. And, you, again, you totally respect that, but it all comes down at the end of the day the position just is a lot different than it used to be. And, and, you know, in my opinion, the five most important positions on the field are quarterback, left tackle, edge rusher, receiver, and cornerback. And, you know, running back at one point was definitively in the top five, but it's not anymore. That's just the reality of the NFL in 2023. Joe, and and you touched on on the the newness of a Shane Steichen offense. And obviously that's part of the reason, it's the big reason why he's here. And we've raved about it in the hiring process in terms of what he's able to do with different types of quarterbacks in Philadelphia. But you have the rare ability, having been in the room, having heard these head coaches speak from April through January over the course of, of an NFL calendar. I'm sure there are things any head coach says that kind of your ears perk up because you've heard it before or it gets your attention. So in hearing Shane Steichen speak, what are the things that have kind of reached out and grabbed you in the three or four months that he's been here so far? For me, the excitement is not necessarily what he's been said overall, but how he's been saying it and what i mean by that is you know he's all business how many times you heard people say he's all ball what that means to me is he's not wasting any time if a conversation needs to be 17 seconds in the hallway it's going to be 17 seconds and he's going to go and i just think that type of pace that type of accountability that type in my opinion constant pressure that he's going to have on this offense and on this football team I think it's going to be a breath of fresh air, and I think it's going to be really, really positive for this franchise. Just having a different voice. You know, in high school and college, the players change out. In the pros, players change every year, but it also tends to be more of the head coach that changes more so than, than, than everybody in the locker room. 
the the ability to have a different voice, regardless of that voice, what does that mean for an NFL locker room? I think it's going to be really good. I think he's younger. I think he's able to connect with guys because he's more in their zip code in terms of range. But I also think he has a toughness and accountability about him that's going to be really good. And I think the bottom line is players in the NFL, more than anything else, they want the head coach to be able to help them reach their full potential. You know why? They have the best career they can, they make the most money they can, and they win the most games and hopefully get to a Super Bowl. And I do think Shane is cut from that type of cloth as a coach. Again, he hadn't coached a game yet, remains to be seen. But I know as the the fan in me is excited for him and kind of a new start, a fresh start, and also the excitement of a – a young quarterback with a really high ceiling that's a different type of quarterback than we've seen. We've seen great quarterback play for the last quarter century, let's call it, yep. but it's all been drop back passing, and there's something exciting, a new energy about something that's different, and we're going to see a different type of Colts football in 2023, and so I know talking to friends and family, you know, they're just excited because it's the unknown and what it could be like, and bottom line is, uh, in the AFC which in my opinion has seven of the best eight quarterbacks in the NFL right now, you have to have a really, really, really good quarterback to compete in this conference for the next decade. And I think that's why the Colts drafted the guy with the highest ceiling and you know, me and everybody else, we're hoping that it pans out here in Indy. We spent 12 minutes, not surprising what we do, uh, talking about things on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we do that on Sports Talk Radio. You played on that side. We're going to start with that. Defensively, what are your expectations for this group heading into camp? Well, I think one, the million-dollar question sure. is, you know, and, and more million, that is Darius Leonard. And, you know, uh, how healthy is he to start? Does he start on PUP? Does he not? You know, Mr. Ursay made, I would say, some uh, comments that he just spoke differently about him than Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, a week or so ago. And so I think one there, two, pass rush, and then three, cornerback. You know, do we sign a veteran quarterback? Cornerback, excuse me, with what's happened. Uh, I think, you know, you'll go a week or two in camp and see how some of the young guys play and see what happens. And then pass rush. We sign some guys. Quitty pay. Can he take a jump, you know, in the next level? That's what you got to do. You got to get after the passer and you got to be able to defend down the field. So I think those two things with the overarching, you know, Darius Leonard and our money man and, and turnover machine, how those things play out the first week or two of camp. I think will dictate um, a lot to how this defense is going to look, um, you know, when you get to the regular season. Final thing before I let you go. The the mile posts that you will see in camp or preseason games, again, we're seven weeks out from the start of this season. What are the things you're going to look for that say, okay, guys are getting it, guys are picking this up, this thing may be all right by the time we get to September the 10th. What are you looking for? I really think it's going to be the joint practices and really exciting that the first ones here and in Grand Park with the Bears because they got a good defense. You know, Eberflus knows these guys and – I think the joint practices more so than even the preseason game. Because, again, what if guys play a, a quarter or two, you know, you're going to go through all the different scripts and scenarios of the joint practices, and you go, boom, from Chicago right back to Philly, where obviously Shane has familiarity, and he's, I'm sure, going to have a little bit of extra gas for that week against a team that was in the Super Bowl. you got four joint practices in a matter of like eight or nine days, and to me that's going to be the biggest indicator before we get to the regular season, obviously, and the lights really come on, on how this team is progressing. So, obviously, look forward to that. And, again, to see how, um, you know, Richardson fares in those joint practices against two uh, really good defenses. When will I first see you out at training camp, my friend? I'll be up there soon. I don't know if I'll be there the first couple of days. Again, it, when it's 95 degrees, <laughs> if I go out, I'm going to get PTSD. I can't go out there, Rake, if it's 95. I'll start sweating instantly. 
So uh, maybe week two of camp I'll be out there. But you'll see me soon, and I can't wait to watch the guys uh, get to work back at Grand Park. It's exciting. The football's here. And, uh, man, we'll blink twice, and we'll be up in Buffalo for the fr- – first preseason game and blink twice again and we'll be rolling it out for real against jacksonville joe you are the opposite of me see you are the guy that like 10 years removed from from doing this you know you weigh like 70 less pounds you have a <laughs> lot less gear on it's going to be hot and sweaty for all of us but dude you can sit there on the sidelines and go man think about how bad this used to be now where's my gatorade and you can like start walking in front of the fan that's the joy of of, of the uh, of the spot you're in now in life i can but i mean i'm telling you every night up in anderson <laughs> i would look at my phone and the weather and i would get like physically ill if it was going to be hotter than 90 degrees and so i'm gonna have to sit these first couple days out you uh you get it done for me. I'll see you up there soon. I'll do my best. and look forward to being on the trip with you to Buffalo coming up as well. Thanks for the time and the insights, my friend. I'll see you soon. All right. Take care. You got it, Joe Wright. Kind enough to join us here on the Fan Midday Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Fan Midday Show. It is July 24th, and we're primarily talking football. That has to bring a smile to my next guest, because football, not a real estate, or these days fishing, seemingly is usually on his mind. Last week it was golf, but today we'll largely limit it to football. You are familiar with his voice as the color analyst for Purdue football, uh, dating back for now three decades, following his days as a center for the Boilermakers. And he announced earlier this year that this is going to be the last ride for him in terms of the Purdue football radio network. It is my friend Pete Quinn that joins us now. Buddy, why is it now the right time to hang him up from the radio booth perspective? You know, I'd love listening to your voice. It's, uh, it's, I like you in a microphone. You're you're an awesome MC. You're great on the radio. I could just sit here and listen. I hate talking and, and not listening to you. Um, no, no specific reason, Greg. It's just it's been 32 years. I've thought about it the last couple, and I remember one time Joe Tiller told me when you start thinking about retiring, that's probably when you should retire, and and that kind of stuck with me. But uh, it's a lot of little things. Uh, a year ago, we didn't have any grandchildren. Now our fourth is on the way in January. That's, uh, that, that's a big difference maker. Um, going on the road for the away games for 32 years, Susan, my wife Susan, has just been unbelievably yep. supportive through all these years. But you know, her and I are golfers. We like to golf. We missed out on a lot of stuff in the falls. We got a place. We've had a place in Naples now for three or four years, and September and October are beautiful times of the year to be in Naples, and she couldn't do it because I was doing the game. So I think the combination of the expansion of the Big Ten, um, the the fact we have four grandkids now, and, and the fact we got the place in Naples, I thought it was just time. Well, to switch sports analogies, if you understand you got your fastball, you still got it. You do a, you do a fantastic job uh, on radio and, and being critical when need be, but always passionate and supportive of your football team. Uh, so with that, we'll kind of transition to now talking about this year's Boilers. And obviously, we start with Ryan Walters. Um, impressions of him so far. Clearly, we'll learn a lot more here in a few weeks, but uh, your thoughts about the steps he's taken up to this point? Uh, I, the one guarantee that I can make about Ryan Walters and his staff that he's put together. He's put together a very, very nice staff. Uh, 
nobody's going to outwork them. Uh, these guys, I, I've just been so impressed with their work ethic. Uh, they're out there hitting it hard. Uh, just they want to be successful. It's kind of interesting. As a, as a Jeff Brom fan, still am. I sure. like Jeff Brom a lot, but I never felt like Jeff. The day Joe Tiller took the head coaching job, Joe Tiller was a boilermaker. Uh, I never felt – I always felt Jeff was a Louisville guy that was currently coaching at Purdue. Uh, Ryan Walters, his first press conference, he just – I think he's at home. I think he, he loves it there. He's got first-class facilities. He's got a great fan base. He's going to be in front of sold-out stadiums. The stadium looks amazing. I think he's excited. Uh, I think he's, he's youthful. Uh, he's 37 years old. Most of his assistant coaches are very youthful. I think they relate with the players. Their recruiting has been outstanding. Probably the best we've seen, gosh, you know, just maybe ever since I've been doing the radio. So he's doing a great job bringing in talent. So I just I feel that if he, on game day, is anything like he is, during the offseason, I think he's going to have a lot of success. Well, and normally when there is a coaching change made, it's it's not for a good reason. This is for a good reason. Jeff Brom wanted to go home. We I think everybody knew at some point when Mama was calling, Jeff was going to go back to the University of Louisville, as you well described. So normally you're not inheriting a program that has invested in facilities and made bowl games on a regular basis. So your thoughts of the kind of unique nature of this is not a rebuilding job for Ryan Walters. This is maintaining and elevating kind of your thoughts on what he's stepping into here. I, I think he's got an opportunity to do some some really exciting things right away uh, in the in the age of the uh, the portal transfers. Uh, he got 19 portal transfers. Uh, I think speculation is at least half a dozen, if not more, will be starters. So when people ask me how's Purdue going to be, you don't really know. You you, you look at uh, this team, and this team does not look even remotely the same <laughs> as last year's team. But they've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of talent coming back. I'm, I'm a big fan of a lot of these kids. Huge Devin Mockaby fan. Uh, tremendous running back. I think Tyrone Tracy. Now that Charlie Jones has moved on, I think you're going to see a lot of Tyrone Tracy. Uh, I think they have an NFL-type player in tight end Garrett Miller. I think Gus Hartwig. Gus may not be available to center out of Zionsville. He may not be available the first couple of games, but he's an NFL player, and uh, Jenkins on the defense, uh, Sidnor on the defense. Uh, maybe the, the the star of the defense is going to be a true sophomore. I think he's still 18. Uh, most fans will remember Nick Carraway. He actually changed his last name to Scourton, Nick Scourton. But uh, Nick is going to be back. He's he's got a lot of proven veteran talent. And then when you roll in some of these transfers, you know, highlighted by Hudson Card, the quarterback. That's that's all they could talk about uh, during uh, spring ball was how impressed they have been with Hudson Card. I don't think there's going to be a drop-off. I, I think he has a chance to have a special season year one. Is this Hudson Card's job, no doubt about it, he's the quarterback of this team? I, I think if there's one position on the football team that there's no doubt who the starter is, it would be quarterback. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Uh, again, Pete Quinn, Purdue Radio Network, joining us here. Again, the football season, while we're thinking about this from Colts training camp, getting underway like literally tomorrow. Uh, these guys are training almost year-round at this point, but but camp a week or two away at this point for uh, for Ryan Walter's squad. You touched on this, and obviously this doesn't kick in this year, but it kicks in soon. Um, everybody now knows they're going to the Rose Bowl at some point in time in the Big Ten because they'll play UCLA there. Or they're going to go to the Coliseum and play USC there. You've been a part of that 24, 25 years ago to open a season. Your thoughts on the Big Ten going from ocean to ocean? I think it was inevitable. It was uh, money is driving all of these decisions and these TV contracts are getting a little bit crazy. And, and when you can bring in a market like they're bringing in with USC and UCLA, I think they looked at that and said, yeah, this is an opportunity. It's different. I'm old school. I think, Greg, you know that. Yep. Uh, I miss the old days. I'm not a big fan of the transfer portal. I'm not a big fan of uh, NIL, uh, but it's reality. So if you're making decisions in the best interest of the conference you know how do you make this conference the strongest conference bringing in a couple of storied programs like ucla and usc makes a lot of sense and i think next year if i if i remember correctly i think we're playing at ucla and i think usc is playing at purdue i mean it's it's i'm I'm looking at next year sc comes to west lafayette the following year you guys go to the rose bowl so it's 2025 for the Rose Bowl, but basically you will alternate California opponents in terms of of the first couple of seasons. What's going to make this a good first year for Ryan Walters and Purdue? What's the bar for this team? Uh, I when you talk to a lot of the fans, which which I obviously do, I think people are going are they're cautiously optimistic, but everybody's talking about how tough the schedule is. It, it's not an easy schedule. You know, anytime you got Ohio state and Michigan on, on the schedule, it's not going to be an easy schedule, but I like the schedule. I, I like having four home games in September. Uh, the one away game is going to be uh, Virginia tech, Yep. but they open up against Fresno state. And I, I think if, if they play to the, the level of their ability, there's a lot of NFL talent, probably more NFL potential talent on this roster than I've seen in a long, long time at Purdue. And I, Ryan Walter's reputation precedes him. Uh, he's a genius defensively. I don't say that lightly, but people that said when he coached uh, defensive coordinator at Illinois that he's one of those guys that doesn't even look at a clipboard. He watches the game. He makes calls. He understands the game of football. He put together a very, very nice staff, and they've got talent. So, me personally, I think they can be as good win-wise as last year, if not better, where they won eight games last year. If everybody stays healthy and if uh, if they pick up the offense and the defense, the defensive strategy that Ryan Walters has, the dif- the similarities I, I see between Ryan Walters and my head football coach, who was, in my opinion, one of the greatest uh, college football coaches of all time, Jim Young, uh, Jim's in the Hall of Fame now. He came to Purdue, and all they talked about is how young uh, he was and his staff was. And Ryan Walters was coming in, and ironically, they both got their first head coaching gigs at 37 years old. <laughs> and the way that he ran his defense, if you remember the defense back then, they called it the junk defense. And everybody remembered our teams because we had a lot of success, and we had 
a couple All-Americans like Mark Herman and Dave Young and had the Carmel connection with Bart Burrell. And right. We had this great offense, but people forget we had one of the top defenses in the country. In fact, our junior year when we went 10-2, and two, they finished the season second-ranked defense in the country, and they called it the junk defense. And it was, uh, it was a very interesting defense where I think it allowed the players to react and play instead of the real complicated defenses you see right now where you have to be in the right spot at the right time or it could be disastrous. I think Ryan's bringing more of that type of a defense back, which I'm excited about. And then uh, I think he's got some offensive coaches that are going to be – there's going to be a lot of passing in this offense, which I'm excited about because I think we have the talent to take advantage of it. Pete, a couple quick things, and, and then we'll let you go. Obviously, when it comes to being on the air, you're going to do anything differently during the last 30 years because it's worked for you so far. Behind the scenes, when you make these road trips, knowing this is the last go around for you, do you kind of take things in, kind of, kind of, you know, take it all in a little bit differently than you have in years gone by? Uh, yeah, I will. It's already starting, to be honest, Greg. I'm already starting to think, wow, you know, just, you know, when I was getting ready for this call, I'm thinking, you know, next year, you know, I'm not going to be having calls like this, <laughs> and, and that's going to be a little bit different, but. Uh, I think it's going to be different. We, we got a great uh, Learfield. Uh, our producer is just one of the greatest all-time guys that I ever worked for. His name's Mark Walpole. And I'm going to reach out to Mark and say, hey, I want to, if you don't mind, I'd like to bring a guest for every home game. You know, just bring somebody back. Because some of my greatest memories were having guests, people that were close to me up in the, the booth to watch a game or to meet my halftime guests. And a story I love to tell is when my now 37-year-old son was 15. Him and two of his buddies came up to meet my halftime guest, and I introduced him and said, this guy's a Purdue guy. When he was your age, he had two dreams, to march in the marching band and to get an engineering degree. And they <laughs> shook his hand, and I said, oh, yeah, by the way, he's the first man to walk yeah. on the moon. And, and, and that, those kind of memories I will keep forever. And that's what I'll miss the most. I'll miss my, uh, I'll miss Tim Newton and Kelly Kitchell and Rob Blackman and all the guys that Scott Fenstermacher, engineer. We just have such a great team. And Tim and I have been together 30 years. Yeah. So uh, not seeing Tim next fall is going to be kind of strange. And so with that, by the way, uh, great timing on the Neil Armstrong story. They literally pulled he and Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins from the Pacific Ocean 54 years ago today, like as of today. So great timing on that story by your part. Finally, um, if I had to say a favorite memory from the Purdue radio booth, what's the first call or moment that immediately comes to mind from your career of doing this? Joe Tiller's first year playing Michigan State, and uh, Purdue got off to that great 6-1 and one start. They're playing a, a really good Michigan State uh, football team. And Joe McConnell, who was play-by-play at the time, made a comment with about two minutes left and said, well, the Boilermakers aren't going to win this game, but they, they gave a great effort. And my response was, Joe, don't give up yet. They could block this field goal return it for a touchdown, kick an onside kick, and then they could uh, recover it and then score again, they can still win. And his comment was, I want what you're smoking. (laughs) And then his next comment was, they blocked the kick. And that's exactly what happened. That was a lot of fun. Did you provide what you were smoking to him for later so he could enjoy it at that point in time? or? (laughs) He, uh, Joe came in, he was such a consummate professional and he did not like me that first year because I was, I, I tend to be a little bit of a homer and, 
he was such a professional guy. I ruined him in the first couple of years. He became as bad a homer as I was. Now, the thing is, at that point in time, people know this maybe, Joe was doing the Tennessee Titans games with the Oilers at the time. So he would do the Purdue game on Saturday and then quickly have to fly to Nashville. There it was. So Joe may have kind of clipped off just for a moment uh, thinking that uh, i got to get to my next game. But obviously, uh, fate intervened. You have done a wonderful job in this role for three decades. I know you will for your last year as well. And obviously, our friendship is going nowhere. As always, thanks for the time, my friend. I'll see you in person again real soon. Always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate it. You got it. Pete Quinn, again, he has been one of the radio voices of Purdue football for the last 30 years. Going to do it one more year. Last go-around for Pete comes up this season, and it starts with Fresno State on Saturday, September the 2nd at noon at the renovated Ross Aid Stadium. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Final hour of the show for me this week. Uh, I have been notified that my substitute teaching contract has been extended for a couple of more weeks. I'll do what I can to um, bore you to tears or enlighten you, depending on your perspective, uh, around my training camp schedule, which officially kicks in on Wednesday. And one of the first people that I'll be seeing on the sidelines is the man that serves as the voice of training camp. And then again, he is the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. It is Matt Taylor that joins us now. Hello, compadre. How are you? What's up, brother? How you been? I'm good. I just was able to deduce uh, from uh, Garasino during the break that you attended Barbie at some point in time this weekend. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Saturday night at the drive-in, actually. Oh, uh, yeah. So under the lights, under the stars, Twilight Barbie. Well, with, this, is, uh, <laughs> this, 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 this is Barbenheimer weekend, um, and so you and I literally have covered both ends of the spectrum. I gotcha. saw Oppenheimer yesterday, so we have hit the two big box office smashes of the weekend. How was Barbie? Yeah, no, they got our money, didn't they? Um, it was, uh, it was something. Uh, I'll tell you that it was something. Um, you know, my my six year old is is like right in the wheelhouse of Barbie, so obviously that was the inspiration to go see the movie. I don't know, Greg. I'm I'm the wrong guy to ask. I don't know if it was good. I don't know if it was bad. I was kind of in and out. I mean, I, we had our two year old or our three year old son there as well, so I was on entertaining him as well, especially when we're outside in the drive-in. and So, I don't know. I was in and out over the course of two hours. A lot of dance and a lot of singing, but six-year-old liked it, so I guess that's all that matters. Margot Robbie would have me interested in Barbie. Um, Yeah, that was was all right. I I am not – I'm confident enough in my man card to say I would go see Barbie, like even without a kid. Like my daughter is now 12 – Barbie kind of has never really been her thing. So, you know, the wife and I asked, hey, do you want to go see it? She's like, nah, I'm good. I may, like, wait until it gets, like, on demand and, like, skip the whole theater experience, but I would watch it. I would highly recommend Oppenheimer to you. I think nice. I think you would dig that. So I realize that your free time is now effectively gone as of tomorrow. <laughs> so there's no way, unless you like download it for the flight to Buffalo or Philadelphia, there's no way you would actually watch it. But if you can find three hours of your time, Oppenheimer is worth it, just so you know. Well, see, what I do, see, my move is I take suggestions just like that for movies and TV shows and things on Netflix and Prime, like binge-worthy, sure. watchable things that people recommend to me. And I bank them up for... 
you know, I hate to say this, but I bank them up for the months of January and February. <laughs> right. When we're not going anywhere anyways, the weather's pretty crummy, the season's over, and I actually have time to watch these things. That's when I catch up on uh, streaming things that have been, you know, taken over the, the uh, universe for the last six months. So I'm always late to the party, but I'm okay with it because when I have time to watch it, I like to do what everybody else does, and that's binge them and, you know, live the cliffhangers from, you know, episode one to two and so on and so forth. So, no, I'll, I'll definitely write that down and, and catch that on demand uh, next winter. All right, so let's see if you can also catch up on your impressions. Now, do you retire your impressions when someone passes away, or do you still use them in tribute when the time calls? No, I mean, I think I think it has to be tribute. I mean, okay. I, Harry Carey lives on. Uh, Joe McConnell lives on. So I think I think Donnie Baker has to live on as well, man. And Absolutely. I am so I am so glad that you mentioned that. Of course, with with the terrible passing of Ron Sexton very unexpectedly yeah. uh, Friday on the show, and I'll, I'll get more into that in a matter of moments. But I, I bring that up because literally just had Pete Quinn on the show, and I asked him for his favorite moment in a Purdue booth. And he goes, it was the 97 season, Joe Tiller's first year. The Boilers are 6-1. and one. They're basically down by two scores, have to go blocked kick, onside kick, recovery score to beat Michigan State, and that's how it happened. So if you, if you don't mind queuing this up on demand, how do you think Joe McConnell would have described the action from October of 1997? I'll give it give it to me one more time. Block kick so, recover. Bl- blocked kick, kick recovered for a touchdown. <laughs> onside kick recover score a touchdown. I want to say they were down twenty two to nine and won the game twenty three twenty two. I will go back and, and research to make sure I got the but that's basically the spirit of what happened. So if you could just give me like a snippet of how Joe would have described it that day. Oh my gosh. What, what, you know, how, do you, how would you do it? Go ahead. Here's Nico Kudavidi's coming off the edge. It's blocked. It's blocked. It's up in the air, and Purdue has it. They're setting sail down the far sideline. It's a touchdown for the Boilers. Oh, Purdue comes storming back. Special teams, and the Purdue wins it 24-23. That's the final of the Indiana Corn and Soybean Scoreboard. Man, you're so good. Uh, and do, see, you don't. I'm not sure I'm doing like drive time radio. Like, when do these opportunities present themselves for you to turn back into the mimic that you were before you become the voice of the Colts? Well, basically, when I'm in my car driving, and something will, <laughs> will spawn a memory, and then I'll turn the radio down and do it for myself, which always gives me a good chuckle. But that's that's pretty much you know I'm, I'm my harshest critic, I suppose. But yeah, those moments are, are few and far between. Anyways, it's it's a great. It's a great reflect back, too, because Joe was always incredibly nice to me, and I actually knew him. Long story short, so my wife worked at the same school that his wife did. Okay. So we actually became uh, pretty chummy, and, and I was you know young and, and uh, you know aspiring in my career. And he uh, gave me a lot of pointers and advice and all those things. And actually, uh, my wife and his wife were close enough that uh, she invited her and subsequently him to our wedding and I got a lot I got a huge family and a lot of friends that are Purdue people so the fact that Joe McConnell was at my wedding and he was taking pictures and doing selfies <laughs> and signing autographs <laughs> incredibly incredibly cool moment for me just because of I mean he's had more high profile jobs than I'll ever even apply for so just an incredibly great dude and uh, unbelievable talent I don't think people I, and again nerds like us do 
but people don't have an idea the number of moments that Joe got to be a part of, namely Walter Payton breaking the alt. So when you hear that clip on NFL Films, that's Joe from 1984. Uh, Because he did so many NBA finals for NBA radio in the 90s, that's Joe that you're on those highlight calls. And again, obviously some wonderful memories from Purdue. And if you ask me to imitate another play-by-play guy, I got Brian Giffen down cold. That's about the (laughs) end of it. Uh, So with that... We're on actually talking about the football team. Uh, well, don't forget too about the ABA Pacers, and of he did course. the Colts. He did the Colts for two years. Yes, he did. Um, yeah, like I said, I mean the White Sox, Purdue. Um, like I mean, he did college football game of the week, I believe, for Westwood One. Um, you know, I, I was able to kind of go through his old spotting charts and some of his notes and he saved everything he saved notes he saved uh, charts and press releases and uh, he's got uh, games on dat and cassettes and reel to reel so uh, unbelievably great man and um yeah really really admired him for for everything that he did and then most importantly for me personally just just how he treated me and showed me a great deal of respect by the way that's digital audio tape for those who don't know what dat is that's for, for those in the know that way you've got it so let's kind of tell people how the sausage is made here what is training camp like for you matt taylor uh being the pa or mc of training camp practices while you're also getting like you know 40 plus stations ready for the upcoming season of the colts radio network what are these next few weeks like for you that's right. Yes, I I am the Ryan Seacrest of Colts camp. So come up and say hello and uh, you know, give us a high five or anything that you want to know about Colts camp both with the team and logistically. So, um, you know, the easy answer is I would just direct everybody to colts.com/camp for all the practice dates. Uh 13 open practices free. Uh have to have a ticket as you know, Greg, but uh, you know, you download it um and there's only a handful or I shouldn't say a handful, but there's an allotment of uh tickets available every day so it can be sold out if you will i don't know if that's the right term but um it can fill up fast so colts.com slash camp to download your free tickets and to find out all the practice times um we'll be up there every single day uh we'll be doing some pa stuff or i'll be doing some pa stuff and letting everybody know what's going on what the schedule is for the day of camp um and let you know you know who's signing autographs and what the post-practice festivities look like that kind of stuff um, and then during, you know, during uh, practice, uh, you know, just kind of watching and obser- observing just like everybody else, taking notes and following the storylines post-practice, doing podcasts and radio shows and interviewing players. So, um, you know, Westfield is an unbelievable uh, host. Uh, Grand Park is just the perfect place for it. It is so easy to navigate and get around and park and um, just have a really good experience. Colt City is right behind uh, the, the Colts practice facility or the, the, the Colts practice fields, I should say. So there really is something to do for everybody up there. It's family friendly. You can watch ball. You can watch Anthony Richardson do his thing. You can watch Shane Steichen operate practice. But if you got kids and little ones, you can let them run around and take in, you know, the, the big time feel of an NFL practice event. So really looking forward to it. And uh, like you said, it, it's here. It's here and we don't stop for seven months. All right. So with that, you've had a series of, of, of in-studio podcast, long form interviews with those in and around the Colts. Um, I, I'm not sure you would say, you know, Shane Steichen well at this point. Mm-hmm. You've had a chance to talk with him maybe more than anybody else has at this juncture. 
What has impressed you about the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts to this point? He's just really smart. He really is. He's just highly intelligent, high IQ. He's all ball. I mean, when you get him in his element, um, he just goes and, you know, he lights up the most or the biggest, I should say, when you're just talking schematics. You know, when you're talking about how to use this guy or what this guy can be or, you know, philosophies inside the red zone. If you just get real minutia with it, like that's what he loves. He is all ball. Uh, I think he's a well-rounded guy. I mean, he's 38 years old, and, you know, I can relate to him. He's got a busy schedule. He's got two young kids. He's got a wife. He's moved around the country a handful of times, chasing positions, now being a head coach for the first time. Um, but he just really his, – his biggest passion in life is football. He, he got a journalism degree at UNLV, Greg, and I asked him, like, what – what was your plan with that? I mean, if if you weren't going to go into coaching, which he always had, you know, aspirations of doing, you know, what what were you going to do with a journalism degree? He's like, maybe do broadcasting, you know, maybe do radio, maybe do TV. But he's like, that was always like Plan C, D, and E. You know, <laughs> it was always coaching for me, and he's living it out. But yeah, when you talk to him, he is he can process so much in a short amount of time. Just when you talk to him, um, he, he really gets after it from a schematic standpoint, and that's why I don't think you're going to see him really struggle at all in my anticipation of things with having to manage the game and call plays at the same time. He can really process a lot and handle a lot of information and compute it and compartmentalize it and come out on top in basically every instance. Again, Matt Taylor, I don't think I need to introduce that voice to you, radio voice of the Indianapolis Colts. My guest, Greg Rakestraw here on the Fan Midday Show on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Um have you had Anthony Richardson in that studio for that conversation just yet? We've we've only talked to him um, after draft night, so the Friday following his draft selection on Thursday, the first round. Uh, we had him in, and he was doing the car wash that day. Obviously, sure. you know, he was doing photo ops and marketing stuff, and his own press conference and a video interview, and he did a radio interview as well. So Anthony's been very very busy, and they're obviously trying to keep him comfortable um, since he's been drafted. Obviously, a lot is on his plate. So not as many opportunities with him as uh, we've had to visit with Shane. But obviously, you know, once camp starts, we hope to get him for a one-on-one off to the side after the media is done with him. Um, and more so just get to know him and, and kind of talk about him as a man and what makes him tick and, you know, certainly how he's uh, doing from a comfort level at camp, processing all the, the schematics and being in front of the fans for the first time so um really looking forward to him but the times that i have been around him greg he is he blows me away with his maturity his professionalism uh, again being able to handle all that's been thrusted upon his shoulders potentially being you know the franchise quarterback and the rookie um you know quarterback on this team that has to be a leader and coming from college when he only played those 13 games that's a lot of responsibility and oh yeah by the way he's 21 <laughs> just turned right. 21 back in may right so he can you know he's, he's barely had a beer can in his hand for the last couple of weeks and here he is having to uh you know manage the expectations of an nfl billion dollar franchise so really really impressive guy with his maturity um and i think he's doing all the right things you know bringing up his inner inner circle with him uh having them move to indianapolis and be around him and act as a sounding board and just be able to uh, have him uh you know have that support system in place 
I thought that was a really wise move by him. And again, something I wouldn't have done when I was 21 years old, just as a knucklehead as I was. My thought on on the quarterback, and I'm, so I'm, I'm going to give you my take on it, and, I'm, and then you can agree, disagree, laugh at me, whatever. My thought has been, in terms of Richardson versus Minshew, it's going to be Richardson's job on September the 10th, unless he simply appears to be not ready after going through three preseason games, four weeks of training camp, and I think every bit as importantly, if not more than anything else, how he fares against the Bears and the Eagles in those practices that will take place over the yep. span of a week. To me, if if it's if it's even, or frankly, if Richardson just looks borderline competent, they're going to hand him the ball so he can learn on the job, knowing he's going to make some mistakes, mm-hmm. but so he gets better as the season goes along. How are you viewing, and I'm using the air quotes here, the quarterback race heading into September the 10th? No, that's that's spot on. That's that's how I view it as well. And you know, those joint practices are so invaluable for the growth and the maturity of Anthony Richardson. I mean, like you said, there's going to be speed bumps. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to come his way that he's going to see for the first time that he's going to struggle against and with. Um, but you're exactly right. Everybody within the franchise wants him to be the starting quarterback week one of the season because they all know what the success of his success personally and his growth, what that means for the success and the overall health of this franchise long term, right? Get him on his path to reaching his full potential and reaching that full ceiling as quick as possible here in the NFL with the Colts. Um, and, and the thing is, and it, it's not as if he's got to be, you know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in the sense that he has to play from the pocket and he has to read a defense perfect every single time out and just, you know, have all of this 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 wealth of knowledge and this wealth of experience to draw on. It's not like that anymore. I mean, I'm not downplaying the quarterback position in terms of how hard it is, don't get me wrong, but they just need to throw some concepts at Anthony Richardson, whether it's first and second down, third down, third and long, third and short, red zone, end of half, end of game. I mean, those are the things they need to throw at him so that he can be comfortable by playing fast. Just don't think out there. I mean, just let Anthony Richardson be him. And obviously there's going to be some things that he's going to have to learn uh, from and, and compute in real time, but it's not as if – I mean, the RPO game and the intermediate passing game, these are all things that he knows. He succeeded a great deal uh, in, at Florida doing those things, and those are things that are going to trickle up with him from college to the NFL. So I, I just I think the Colts are being – very, very um, cautious with the amount of things they're throwing at Anthony Richardson so that he can just go out there and play fast and use his athleticism and that dynamic speed that he has to his advantage early on. Obviously, the running game is going to help him with Jonathan Taylor. I don't think there's anybody that benefits more from Anthony Richardson's um, possible presence in the backfield more so than Jonathan Taylor, but I think those two complement each other so, so well. So lean on Taylor, lean on the running game, lean on the offensive line that's going to bounce back. Um, You're not going to see nearly as many crowded boxes as you did last season. So Anthony Richardson doesn't have to have, you know, 18 years of NFL experience under his belt to have success year one. It's just be himself, 
understand the concepts that the Colts are throwing at them and just play fast, take what the defense gives you, and all of that experience and all that learning, that'll come in real time the more he's out there. Hate to end on a down note, and again, this does not have an immediate impact on the Indianapolis Colts, but I wanted to make sure I, I gave you a chance to, to talk about the news of the morning, which is the fact that Naeem Hines, uh, through no fault of his own, was involved in a jet skiing accident that uh, is like is going to cost him the entirety of the 2023 season. Thankfully, long term, he's going to be fine, but he is now injured and out and will miss all of his six year in the NFL. You likely have had hundreds of conversations with Naeem over the first four and a half years of his career, which he spent here in Indianapolis. Just your thoughts about uh, a good dude getting a bad break and, and knowing Naeem, he will bounce back from it. Your thoughts. Oh, just, yeah. When I saw that headline, I'm thinking, yeah, this could not have happened to, uh, you know, a better guy. Really, really unfortunate, unlucky set of circumstances for him because, like you said, he he really has a good head on his shoulders. And, you know, I I thought his exodus from Indianapolis was about as – um, respectful and as and about as uh, amicable amicable as you can get between the two sides, and you know the Colts were trying to do right by him, and he got to go to a place where he he could succeed and you know play for a winning team, a winning organization, and for this to happen to him, and he's still in the prime of his career, you know, as you said, going into year number six, and um, yeah, wrong place, wrong time, and you know one one can wonder, you know, why are you jet skiing, you know, a couple of days before you report for training camp? But I would rebut to that. It's like, listen, you got to live your life because football just takes over, as we said, you know, for the next six, seven months, and that that basically just consumes you. You got to have time and uh, get in fun with family and friends while you can do it. And it, it, he got hurt doing something that uh, it wasn't his fault, right. and it's just really, really unfortunate the way it, it it went. But I remember you talk about all those conversations with Naheem. He was a rookie in 2018, and the Colts were just littered with great rookies that season guys that are still here right you know you got guys like Shaq Leonard and Zaire Franklin and so on and so forth but I remember talking to him going into the playoffs and just being blown away with his maturity and his answer his insightful answer was you know you got to basically it was I'm paraphrasing you got to take advantage of every opportunity to make the playoffs and I'm thinking well how would you know you've never made the playoffs you know this is your first year he's like you know, you talk to guys in this locker room that have been around a long time, and the NFL, man, it stands for not for long. Nothing's guaranteed. We've got a good nucleus here. We've got a good core, but nothing's guaranteed for next year. Just because we show up in 2019 doesn't, make, doesn't mean we're just going to make the playoffs that year and the, the year after that and so on and so forth. And I was like, man, this guy has really good perspective as, a, again, a 22-, 23-year-old that not many guys have. And he was right because the next couple of years, they were roller coaster years for the Colts. And so he had really good perspective going into that rookie playoff experience saying, you know, nothing's guaranteed. I got to make the most of this, most of this because you never know if we're going to get back. And 19, Andrew Luck retired. 20, the Colts made the playoffs. 21, they missed the playoffs. And then he was traded in 2022. Life comes at you fast in this league. Naeem Hines knows that. And unfortunately, he's going to be uh, rehabbing this from the sideline for the next, uh, 
you know, six, seven months before the off-season workout program next year. Hopefully we'll see him in a couple, three weeks when you and I head to Western New York for what seemingly is an annual thing, opening the preseason in Buffalo. And frankly, I'm cool with that. I like that old stadium because you and I have a very good view when we are calling <laughs> games. And that's how Matt and I judge stadiums. How can 100%. we see the field? And 100%. For, for Matt, it's from about the 40-yard line. For me, it's about the 50. I've lucked into a good booth for my one road broadcast I'll have this year. As always, thanks for the time, my friend. I'll see you Wednesday. All right, man. Good to talk to you. Be good. You got it. Matt Taylor, radio voice of the Indianapolis Colts.